Good morning, everyone. It's my privilege this morning to continue in our series on being a church without walls. It's a fantastic opportunity for us to continue to think, what is it God's after with us as Hub Community Church and how does he want us to change? This morning, I particularly am going to be looking at breaking down walls or challenging our worldview. And that will be followed up with a second uh, focus on that topic next week, which Robin Mendelssohn will take us into. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, we have an incredibly, massively important story that challenges the worldview of all of its participants. We know it's vital because it's told by Luke twice, if not three times, over two short chapters. If you think that Acts is just 28 chapters and Luke spends this long over one particular story, that itself says how important it is to him. Before we get into the detail of the story and rehearse some of the story, maybe just a little explanation about worldview. In simplicity, worldview is the way we do things around here. Of course, the way we do things has been massively challenged by this pandemic. All the things we were used to doing, we can no longer do. And so in some ways, this is a, a, an opportune time to consider what does it mean to be a church without walls? What does it mean to have our worldview challenged and changed? Because it is being, whether we like it or not. To be a church without walls, we have to be open to spirit-inspired, word-rooted adjustments to our worldviews. And this story shows just that. So what's the story? Well, you can read it more fully in Acts chapter 10 and 11. I'd encourage you to do so over the next week or so. But here's a short version. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, lived at Caesarea. He and his family were God-fearing, generous with finance and prayed. One day, about three in the afternoon, which was the time of prayer, he had a vision in which an angel came to him commended him for his prayers and his generosity and told him to fetch Simon Peter, who was staying with Simon the Tanner in Joppa. Cornelius received the instruction and sent two servants and a soldier to Joppa to fetch Peter. Whilst on their way, Peter's praying, during which he receives a vision of a large sheet containing all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles and birds, which he's told to kill and eat. Peter being a Jew, protests, but the voice in the vision repeats the command three times, saying, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Cornelius's men arrive, and under the instruction of the Holy Spirit, Peter and six others go with them. They arrive at Cornelius's house. They hear about his angelic visitation, the instructions to fetch Peter, who will, will give them a message for the salvation of Cornelius's family. And so Peter begins to share the gospel about Jesus Christ. As he does so, the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and his household, convincing Peter that this really is God in action. In chapter 11, Peter relays this story to the Jerusalem apostles and church, who, having heard that Peter had gone in and eaten with Gentiles, wanted to know what was going on. And as he relays the story, they too become convinced God is in this and they rejoice. Listen, much could be said about this story, but today I want to focus on the shattering of four worldviews and how we all still need converting. 
The first worldview change in conversion is that of Cornelius. As we've said, he's a Roman. He's a centurion, which is a middle ranking commanding officer of 100 men. He's working for the greatest army in the world. He's residing in Caesarea, a key strategic port for the great Roman Empire. In the society of his day, he's probably one of those who's got it all together. He's doing quite well. They were the guys who made stuff happen. An influencer. They could cause you problems if you crossed them. Probably someone you'd mind your P's and Q's when you're around. It's a little bit like when you encounter a policeman, isn't it? And you feel guilty even if you've done nothing wrong and you know it. Probably Cornelius was one like that. You would be on your guard a little bit when you were around him. And yet he was a man who sought God. He was generous with his finance and he prayed and he was respected by both Jews and his own nation, the Romans. And so he was a seeking man, but probably as yet unenlightened. Tom Wright describes it this way. It's like he's peering in with his face pressed to the window. What a wonderful image. I think we can imagine that looking in, wanting to know more. Maybe we found that with friends during this pandemic. They're peering in, wanting to find out a little bit more about what we've got to say about the God who made us and loved us. Wanting to know what it is that gives us peace when we've got peace. Maybe you yourself are looking in today on this broadcast from Hub Community Church and maybe you've not come to that place of enlightenment about who Jesus really is, that encounter with him. Maybe you're looking in, pressing your face to the window, saying, is there anything more? Cornelius is a little bit like that. And it's this man and his household, this Roman that Luke wants us to know the gospel has now reached. Don't miss that. The gospel will end up at the end of Acts in Rome, the great city of the world. Here we have a signpost, one Roman and his family and his household coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And so as Peter is in this gathering, having been obedient to the spirit, he proclaims the gospel about Jesus, that this Jesus is in fact God, that this Jesus who was put to death overcame death and rose again. And that through this Jesus, everything that causes me to fall short of relationship with God and God's best and everything that hinders my thriving as a human being in relationship with God is put to one side, is dealt with, is cancelled, is forgiven. Cornelius and his household encounter this gospel. And as Peter is sharing with them, the spirit falls and Cornelius and his household come to faith in Jesus. Their worldview is challenged. They are converted. What about you? Maybe for many of us watching today, we've come to that place of having our worldview challenged on that occasion when we came to know Jesus, when we accepted him as the king of the universe, as God, when we put our lives in his hands. But maybe you're watching on today and have never taken that step. You can do that. You can come to that place look, that Cornelius and his household did of knowing this Jesus. If you want to know more about this Jesus, I encourage you, make contact with us through the website, through Facebook. Maybe make a comment on the YouTube if you're watching on YouTube live now. We'd love to introduce you to this Jesus and bring you to that place where your worldview is changed and you realise there's a God who loves you 
and wants to be with you. Cornelius has his worldview changed, but the second worldview that is changed and second conversion, if you like, that takes place is that of Peter, a Jewish follower of Jesus. He understands the Jewish law. He understands the Jewish way of life. He knows how things should be done. He knows there are certain people he should not eat with as a Jew. There are certain foods not to be eaten. You know, he didn't make this stuff up. It's in the law that God had given. You can read it for yourselves in the old part of the Old Testament, Leviticus, particularly in your Bibles. It's fascinating, isn't it, that Peter had lived with and followed Jesus and has seen him post-resurrection when he was reinstated following his denial of Jesus. And yet the gospel still challenges him, still challenges his worldview. He still hasn't got it all. He still hasn't seen it all or understood it all. He still needs his worldview, the way of he thinks things should be done, changed and still needs converting. The vision he sees cuts right across what he understands to be acceptable for a Jew, his worldview. And more than that, as a follower of the true God, it challenges how he understands what it means to be a follower of the true God. This was challenging boundaries. This was challenging what he understood marked out God's people, what separated them. Peter when the visit comes from Cornelius's men, goes with these non-Jews to their home and eats with them because of the vision that God had given them, this supernatural vision. And as he hears Cornelius's story and as he shares the gospel and the Holy Spirit falls, he is convinced. He step by step has gone as the vision came and the men arrived and he's gone with them and then he's gone into their home and he's eaten and he's heard he's got to give him a message and he gives him the message. But he sees the spirit falling and he's convinced that this is God. This is what God is doing. This is God at work. This is his thing. But it's amazing, actually, as you read on in our New Testaments. that even though Peter has had this amazing encounter, he still needs reminding, which is kind of a challenge to you and I isn't it if you read on into Paul's writings in Galatians one of the letter that Paul's Paul wrote we see that even after this event Peter is tempted to step back because Paul challenges him and confronts him for not eating and being with the Gentiles for going back to just eating with Jews he was moving away from the inclusivity of the gospel that had been revealed to him here and it's good for us, even as for Peter, to keep letting this gospel have its challenge with us. We can settle. We can move back. We can turn back from its radical inclusivity that allowed me to come into its, its, uh, its room. We can set new boundaries or we can let others set boundaries, whether the world or even the church or tradition that somehow restrict the spread of this gospel and the inclusivity of this gospel and the acceptance and the welcome of this gospel. For Peter, to let Gentiles in to the world of the gospel without them becoming Jews was worldview shattering and powerfully converting. Do we expect blacks to behave like whites, to be part of our society or to be part of our church? Do we expect women to behave like men or do we expect 
working classes or lower classes to be good middle class English people. Is that what we expect in order to come in and be part of our church community to receive the gospel? God forbid. That's how we are. But we need to challenge ourselves with our over our worldview, whether we still exhibit or need to exhibit more something of the welcome and the inclusivity of this powerful gospel message. The third worldview that is changed and challenged and can and the people who are converted to the apostles in the Jerusalem church who Peter, they hear that Peter has eaten with Gentiles and they want to know what's going on. Why is Peter doing things that we didn't think we should do by going to eat with Gentiles? Is Peter being cavalier with the law? In many ways, they're in a similar position to Peter in their worldview, being Jews, being followers of Jesus. But they're one step removed from the direct action that Peter has just witnessed. And so they only hear about it. They're suspicious. They're accusatory. They lived a certain way, as Peter had, with certain expectations and certain defining marks. And Peter had crossed those by eating with the Gentiles. It's amazing, isn't it? When we don't witness something directly ourselves, what our first reactions can be. If we're not directly involved, we can be suspicious and accusatory. For example, it's easy, isn't it, to judge those who struggle with gender issues when we have no friends who do. It's easy to judge those who struggle with mental health if I don't. It's easy to judge those who support Arsenal when I support... No, I'm only joking. But I think you get the point of what I'm saying. When we're one step removed and don't witness something firsthand, and that may be challenging enough itself, we can find it really difficult to discern, is this God at work here? Or is someone actually going against the ways of God? Thankfully, as these apostles in the Jerusalem church hear Peter's story, they rejoice. They recognise the work of the Spirit and they recognise the life being given to the Gentiles. And they recognise this is the gospel expressing its welcome. And so their worldview is changed. They recognise that this gospel has now gone to the Gentiles without the Gentiles having to become Jewish. They're welcome in their own right, as it were. Where do you and I need converting? Who do we consider unacceptable? Who do we think is beyond the scope of the gospel? We probably intellectually understand the gospel is for all, but we may expect conformity to my image in order to be acceptable and unconsciously reject people or judge people or assume they can't really can't have encountered God because if they'd encountered God, they would not be living in that way because I don't. What a challenge for us in, in, in displaying and sharing this gospel with others. The fourth worldview change and conversion, well, if it is, is the hearers and readers of Luke's account. That's us. We're included in that. We're readers of his account. In many ways, Luke is after this fourth worldview change because that's why he tells it three times. The story of those who have had their worldview changed because he wants his hearers to know that this is God. It's God who is redefining what being the people of God looks like. It's God who's doing away with historic boundaries. It's God who's redefining righteousness as to do with faith, not conformity to the law. 
And as we, we as hearers today, maybe like me, you've journeyed with Jesus for many, many years. Or maybe you're very new to the faith. Or maybe you've not even come to this encounter with Jesus yet. We all still need our worldview challenging. And still, I still need converting. Is my worldview set by childhood or cultural admonitions of what's clean and unclean? I mean, I don't eat sheep's eyes or guinea pigs, eat guinea pigs or chicken beaks. I know someone who does. <laughs> Yet I'll eat pork, which a Jew won't eat, and I'll eat black pudding, which is unacceptable for some. Those really the definition of clean or unclean? Or is it church tradition that has ended up putting in boundaries, perhaps with good intent, but which end up hindering the spread of the gospel and define who's really acceptable and who isn't. The essence of this story that Luke tells is captured later on in our New Testaments by Paul again. Paul in his writings knows this message still needs to be heard. And so he states when he states the abolition of boundaries within the church, boundaries that separated, when he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. He's basically saying the same message that still needs to be heard today, that that these things do not qualify or disqualify us from becoming part of God's people, that we do not have to live according to the law as the Jews did, but we are accepted by faith, every single one of us. That all are welcome to come to this gospel. Say again, as I said earlier, are we accepting of different races and backgrounds and cultures and nationalities? We can learn so much of one another. Are we equally accepting of women and men? Are we equally accepting of those who, in society's eyes, wield power and influence and those who, in society's eyes, don't? Do we equally accept all? Are they in on the same basis or do we expect some conformity? Do we expect some letting go of things that really don't count in God's economy of what's clean and unclean in order to be in? For each of these worldview challenges... So we come into land. Each the following were necessary. Firstly, an openness to watch, to listen, to hear. Cornelius did. Peter did. The Jerusalem apostles and church listened. Secondly, a willingness to obey God's lead. Cornelius was obedient in sending for Peter. Peter was obedient to the Spirit's promptings in going with Cornelius. Thirdly, a submission to what God is doing. All of them did that. Cornelius submits and gets saved, gets his worldview challenged. Peter and the Jewish community get their worldview challenged and converted afresh. And they witness the further, the further the power of the gospel. And fourthly, there's a remembering of God's word. It's amazing how when Peter explains his message to Cornelius, he explains it in terms of the word of God, the message of God that has come to Israel. He roots what he sees in the words of Jesus and remembers that Jesus said, I will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And so when he sees the Spirit poured out, he knows that that connects with the words of Jesus. And so there's a uniting of the revelation, the experience of what's being seen with God's word. And as he relays it to the apostles, they also get both the experience retold and a sense of the word of God. This story And Acts as a whole then shows God is committed to his gospel, his plans, his purposes. He doesn't need our permission or approval 
but does want our submission and partnership, if we insist on our boundaries, then we may find ourselves contending with God. But if, like the participants in this story, we can be stretched and acknowledge what God is doing, then we can partner with him and see some amazing things. This is God's loving passion to save everyone, the whole world. God bless you.